Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Well, better today than I was yesterday. As you know, yeah. I had a rough day yesterday, uh, but today is much better. Yeah, we had, or I had some kind of food poisoning maybe, which is like, I told you yesterday that it was something I kind of forgot could even happen because it's been so long since I actually right. got sick from eating something. But um, yeah, it was actually terrible. So better today. Well, you got sushi <laughs> in an Aldi's plaza. That's all I needed to hear about that story. And I was like, yeah, no wonder you got sick. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been to the sushi place before um, this particular one, and it is good. And I didn't like have any indication that it was going to make yeah. me sick but of course like you never do until a few hours later and then you're like oh that was probably um from that sushi in the aldi parking lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny mandy you know what makes me sick hopefully not sushi from aldi parking lots <laughs> no 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 not that um turns out we planned our moment uh, which is our big live event for, um, I don't know, right during the middle of Rihanna performing at the Super Bowl on February 19th. Don't so know how we missed that one. <laughs> I don't know. But a listener literally commented on our Facebook that said, oh, man, I can't go. That's during the Super Bowl. And I write Mandy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is like DEFCON 4. I don't know what to do. So luckily, Moment is great. And they um, allowed us to reschedule it. And so we're rescheduled for February 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tickets are now $10. Go to moment.co slash moms and mysteries and get your ticket and if this doesn't work for you this time like we want to do these more in the future but if we don't sell a lot of tickets we probably won't do them yeah. in the future so, <laughs> so please we need a little bit of help here um yeah and so and that's it and that will be in our description as well awesome oh real quick i just want to say happy birthday to my daughter she doesn't oh really goodness. listen yeah. But I'll tell her. Her birthday's tomorrow and she's turning 14. Well, at the time of recording, she's turning 14 tomorrow and I can't believe it. I can not believe it either. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's, it's just wild. It's overwhelming. And like her gifts that she wanted for her birthday, which she's so sweet because she's like, doesn't really want to tell you what she wants. She's like, you don't have to give me anything, blah, blah, blah. Aww. Meanwhile, my son has a list a mile long and right. it's like very detailed. <laughs> and he's going to be ticked if you don't get it for him. And she 
but it's like makeup and stuff. And I'm like, wow, Gosh, wow. you're growing up. Oh. It's just too much. <laughs> I love that. That is um, a really special time, I feel like, for both of you, for mother and daughter. And of course, as you know, I don't have a daughter, um, so I wouldn't yeah. really know personally. But that is one of the things I always thought, like, if I had a daughter, that would be such a fun time to kind of experience all those for the first time, getting to try out makeup and wanting to try different styles, you know, with your hair and with your clothes and everything and doing all those girly things. I love my boys, but, um, you know, I, I live vicariously yeah. through you. <laughs> but can I tell you, they don't really let you anyway. It's like everything I do, she's like, oh, are you going to wear your makeup like that? Or yeah. she'll be like, did you know that you're blush? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, please don't hate on me, child I birthed. <laughs> like it, it hurts somehow more when she says it because it's always said very innocently, like you're not going to. And I'm like, well, now I'm not, but I was. <laughs> Listen, and maybe not and at 14, <laughs> but at 24, she will appreciate your help with those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they've got YouTube and TikTok now. Like, no one is awkward now, which is so frustrating. Right. She's just like, <laughs> they skipped a right really past pretty the 14 ugly phase. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> I got some pictures to show you, girl. So, anyway, yeah, so it's a fun weekend over here. We're excited. Awesome. Yeah, and definitely let her know that um, I said happy birthday as well. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to jump into the story for this week. Um, this is something that our wonderful researcher, Haley, this is a story she's actually worked on before with the podcast Military Murder. So Margot from Military Murder, of course, is very invested in getting the word out about this story. This is another case that's pretty um, new and is still unresolved. So we're really happy to to talk about it on our podcast as well and to kind of bring some more attention to this case. So if you're looking for other military-related murders and crimes, definitely check out Margot's podcast, Military Murder. I think we played a promo a while ago, but it's so good. And she has a deep history with the military. She's been in the military, so she knows all this stuff like the back of her hand. So you're going to get incredible information from her. For sure, for sure. So workplace turmoil is something that most people can probably relate to, right? At one point or another, it's likely yeah. that Either you've had issues with a coworker or you've been around while there have been other coworkers who have had issues with each other. I'll be honest, I haven't really had that many jobs outside of my home. Most of the places I did work were in the service or retail industries, and that, of course, was before I had kids. But you can bet there was plenty of that he said, she said, and just general tension between various staff members pretty much everywhere I ever worked. So you might think that being in the military would be one of the places that you could avoid those kind of problems, but our service members actually aren't immune to these troubles, and many times it can even be even more intense because of their close working conditions and, of course, the fact that they are isolated from their friends and family, particularly when they are deployed. On July 19th, 2022, Denisha Montgomery, who was an Army military police officer stationed in Germany, was assaulted by four other soldiers in her squad while riding in a car after spending the day at a water park. One of Denisha's attackers was her roommate, who she had mentioned having some trouble with before. From Denisha's perspective, this attack came out of nowhere on that particular day. A group of soldiers had gone to the water park and they had some drinks, they were having a good time. Everything was really fine all day long. Nobody was fighting. Everybody was getting along. During the ride home, though, the other people inside of the car started beating Denisha out of nowhere, even choking her to the point that she couldn't breathe. Denisha tried to jump from the car just to get away from her attackers, and the whole ordeal left her with several injuries, including bruises that turned black and blue and a puncture on her shoulder. It goes without saying that Denisha was incredibly shaken up after this attack. She had a video call with her family later that day and told them about what happened, showed them her injuries, and she asked them to even record this video call and all other calls with her from that point on. Not only was she shaken and scared of her attackers, but Denisha also expressed a distrust not only in her fellow soldiers, but also in the military leadership. Denisha was ultimately persuaded to keep quiet about the attack and about her injuries, but just three weeks later, Denisha would be found unresponsive in her barracks and later pronounced dead. Military life wasn't something Denisha had always aspired to have. In 2020, the young mother began thinking about the future of her family and took an interest in joining the military because of the benefits it could provide herself, her husband Josh, and their three young kids. Denisha's younger sister, Brooke, had been in the Army for a couple of years already, and Denisha saw that Brooke had been able to afford a home and other nice things for herself and thought that maybe joining the military would help her provide those same things for her family as well. Brooke, though, wasn't really so sure about the idea of Denisha joining the Army. 
She and Denisha were very close growing up, and she knew Denisha's personality was a lot more headstrong and that she didn't like being told what to do. For these reasons, Brooke actually discouraged Denisha from enlisting, but Denisha thought her plan was a solid one. She wanted to enlist, become a military police officer, and get out after her three-year contract was up. From there, she would join a civilian police force, and ultimately, she had hopes to become a forensic scientist. Although Brooke was apprehensive about Denisha joining the military, she was supportive of her sister nonetheless. After all, they had been so close since they were just babies. Denisha was born to her parents, Rodney and Heather, on May 31, 1995. She was born in Hardin, Kentucky, and although her father lived in Hodgenville, he was a good man who played a very present role in Denisha's life. Four years later, Denisha's mom gave birth to Brooke, and the two sisters became inseparable. Brooke's father wasn't in the picture, so she was raised by Heather alone with plenty of help from her big sister, Denisha. Heather worked a lot, so Denisha played a big role in Brooke's life. When Brooke got a little older, she would sometimes accidentally call Denisha mom because Denisha did so much for her. Brooke had no problem speaking for herself, but she didn't have to because Denisha knew what Brooke needed and she took care of it. There was really no need for Brooke to even talk. And Denisha was also super protective of Brooke. If she was ever having trouble with bullies, Denisha would demand to know who they were so that she could go after them. Denisha was someone who stood up for others often, but especially when it came to her little sister. Denisha also had another sister named Jada. Jada had the same father as Denisha, but she was mostly raised by her own mother, so Denisha didn't have the same relationship with her as she did with Brooke. In high school, Denisha played softball and participated in other extracurricular activities, which took up whatever time her job didn't take up. Brooke said that at this stage of their lives, she was really hardly seeing Denisha anymore because she was just so busy. At 18, Denisha moved out of her mom's house and into her own place. And soon after that, Denisha and her boyfriend, Josh Smith, learned that they were pregnant with their first child. And the couple would eventually go on to have three kids together. In around 2018, Brooke joined the Army, and when Denisha saw the stability and security it provided, she made the decision to enlist herself in 2020. Just before going off to basic training, Denisha and Josh got married, and once she left, Josh and their three kids stayed in Kentucky. After boot camp, Denisha and Brooke picked up talking about once a week, and Denisha soon began her training to become a military police officer. After she was done, Josh and their kids all moved to an on-base residence at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Denisha was then assigned to the 139th Military Police Company. However, because battalions do nine-month rotations, it just so happened to work out that right when Denisha became a part of her battalion, they were actually up to serve a rotation, and they had to go to Germany. Denisha never really got the chance to even experience the regular military life because she pretty much got deployed as soon as she finished boot camp. And it didn't really matter that she was brand new like that because the next rotation for her battalion wouldn't be going on for two more years, so she had to go. So before Denisha left to go to Germany, Brooke and her newborn son, who was Denisha's godson, went for a visit. And during this visit, Denisha talked about how they were going to be deploying, but she said that she was enjoying the military overall. Brooke reassured her sister that everything would be fine with this deployment because getting deployed to Germany wasn't like being deployed to Iraq, for example. And Brooke described a Germany deployment as being really just no big deal. She said that Denisha would go over there. She would have some beers. It would just kind of be pretty laid back and pretty easy. And she'd be back before she knew it. Denisha and Brooke's mom, who, as we said, was named Heather, didn't want Denisha to leave, and she cried about the deployment. But once again, it was Brooke who reassured them that everything would be just fine. About two months after joining her battalion, Denisha was deployed, and she arrived in Germany in January 2022 with plans to stay until September. They spent the first two months in Vilsack, where everything seemed like it was going really well. But at some point, the battalion arrived in Wiesbaden, and things started to really take a turn. It was here that Denisha was paired up with a roommate that she didn't always get along with. This roommate was also a military police officer, and the woman shared a room that was set up like an open bay. Their respective sides of the room were just separated by wall lockers, and they also shared a bathroom. When Denisha would call home and speak to her husband, she would sometimes mention that things weren't really going so great with her roommate, but she never really elaborated about why. But when Denisha was assaulted by four soldiers, including her roommate, on July 19th, 2022, 
it was clear that there were some real problems between them. And we're going to get into many more details of this story after one quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. New year, new me. It's time to wave goodbye to my old dirty ways and say hello to a cleaner, greener lifestyle. And what better way to start than with my own house? I went over to Grove Collaborative and found really everything I need to make my house the envy of all the cool kids on the block. And if you're like me and feel bad about all those single-use plastic bottles around the house, look no further than Groveco. They've got hundreds of products to replace those pesky plastic bottles and containers. And by 2025, they'll be 100% plastic-free. Imagine a world where your cleaning products come in refillable glass bottles and are twice as effective as the leading natural brands. A world where you can find sustainable options for every room in your home without sacrificing performance. And the best part? Over 2 million households have already made the switch to shopping sustainably with Grove. Grove has everything for you and your home, but I wanted to share one thing I got started with this year, and that's the Grove Collaborative Walnut Scrubber Sponge. It's the perfect eco-friendly cleaning tool for tough kitchen messes. It's made from natural walnut shells, which... I didn't even know was a thing, and it's gentle on surfaces but tough on grime, making it a great alternative to traditional plastic scrubbers. Go to grove.com slash mm today to get a free starter set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash mm. Grove.com slash mm. Hey, Melissa, did you hear about the New Year's resolution that actually sticks? You mean the resolution that isn't learning to dance on skates or clean the toilets in my house daily? No, I haven't. Those things are as rare as unicorns. Well, meet your unicorn called Fabric by Gerber Life, where you can resolve to finally get life insurance. It's so easy to do, and it isn't something you have to do again next year. It's one and done kind of thing. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You can apply, see your quote, and personalize your policy all in less than 10 minutes. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. And without even having to leave my couch, sign me up. I knew you'd like that part. Plus, Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, so you know you're getting a high-quality policy. And with over 1,600 five-star reviews on Trustpilot.com, you can trust that it's a hit with other parents like us. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash moms. That's meetfabric.com slash moms. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash moms. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were speaking about Denisha and how she's just joined the military. And now she's off on her first deployment in Germany. She's having some troubles with a roommate, but that's about all we know at this point. So when Denisha's family gets this call, she video calls them later the day after the attack. And this attack, like we said, left her bruised and bloody. And she said to them, quote, I just want to come home. Look what they did to me, end quote. And at that point, Denisha was actually pretty close to going home. Her time in Germany was coming to an end in about eight weeks. She was already counting down the days until she could see her husband and her kids again. And her family was planning this huge welcome home party. Of course, this attack only made Denisha wish she could be back with her family that much more. So during the video call where she's telling her family about this attack, she said she was going to report it to the Army's Criminal Investigation Division, also known as CID. She was adamant that she would report it the next day, but she also said she didn't trust her fellow soldiers or military leadership, and that she had already reported the sexual assault and rape of another soldier in her platoon. Denisha's father felt that her injuries were so bad that he took it upon himself to reach out to the Red Cross while Denisha was still on the phone. And they told Denisha to reach out to her chain of command and then go to a hospital. Denisha did go to her first sergeant, but it didn't go well. This sergeant told her that if she reported an assault, she'd be charged with one too, since she physically harmed and bit her attackers while trying to defend herself. The sergeant allegedly told her that self-defense, quote, wasn't a thing, end quote, in the military. So Denisha sends text messages to her uncle about this conversation with her sergeant. 
And of course, Mandy and I can't speak personally on what military life is like, but there is a documentary called The Invisible War, and it talks about sexual assault in the military, and it features a lot of survivors who talk about how they were discouraged or even persuaded against making reports about their assault, or their superiors just flat out refused to make a report on their behalf. So Denisha's sister, Brooke, told the podcast Military Murder that Denisha was scared that if she pressed charges, she would be forced to then stay on base during the course of the investigation and might not be able to go home in September as planned, which would also be a terrifying thought if you all you want to do is get home. Of course, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're potentially going to have to stay there even longer. Yeah. So although Denisha's roommate was removed from their shared room for about 24 to 36 hours, she was eventually allowed to return, and she stayed there until Denisha's mysterious death 21 days later. During those 21 days, Denisha was truly living a nightmare. She wrote to her uncle on July 27th and told him that she'd just been really depressed and she didn't want to talk about the assault anymore. She told him that she had decided not to report anything because she didn't want to get in trouble as well and that, you know, her bruises were healing now and she was just trying to keep her head down and bide her time until she could finally leave. Brooke also told Military Murder even more details about those 21 days between the assault and Denisha's death. She said that a week after the assault, Denisha was acting really like nothing had ever happened. She had kind of distanced herself from the attack and just refused to talk about it when Brooke would bring it up. And she kept just saying that, you know, they would talk about it more when Denisha was home. She was more quiet than usual. She didn't always respond to her family's texts. And she even missed her godson's first birthday without calling or texting her sister, Brooke, which, as we've said, would be very out of character considering the very close relationship that they had. Right. In early August, about a week before Denisha was found unresponsive in her barracks, Brooke did get a hold of her. Denisha told her that she'd been keeping to herself and laying low and that she didn't trust anyone and therefore didn't even want to hang out with anyone there. Even though she wasn't going home for about another month, she already had her bags packed in anticipation. She was just beyond ready to be done with Germany and back stateside with her family. On the night of August 8th, Denisha talked on the phone with Josh and her kids. She was playing music. She even turned on her, she and Josh's wedding song. They were singing and dancing on the phone together. And eventually it was time for Denisha to go to sleep. So they hung up. And this was sadly the last time anybody spoke with Denisha. The next day, August 9th, 2022, 27-year-old Denisha was found unresponsive. It's unclear exactly who found and reported her condition, but when help arrived, Denisha was pronounced dead. The official report states that Denisha was found by her staff sergeant or her sergeant first class after she failed to show up for work. She was found a few hours after her shift was supposed to start. However, the person who was driving the car back on July 19th when Denisha was attacked by those four soldiers told Brooke that it was Denisha's roommate who found her body. It's also unclear exactly where in the room Denisha was found, but the official autopsy report states that she was found inside the locker with her basic training utility belt tied around her neck and the other end tied around the bar in the locker. What didn't make sense, though, was that Denisha's feet could touch the ground. But the roommate says that Denisha was found in her bed. Denisha's family was told two very different ways that her body was found. One was that she was found in the locker, and the other was that she was found somewhere else in the room. It wasn't the bed, but Brooke can't recall exactly what they said. I can't imagine getting all this information and, you know, trying to put the pieces together later and and just, I don't know, it just seems like so much information coming at you for sure. Yeah. So when Denisha was found, she was wearing the same clothes she had on the night before when she was video chatting with her family. Around seven or eight hours after Denisha was pronounced dead two men in blue went to Denisha's mother's home to deliver the tragic news. The men told Heather that Denisha died of, quote, self-inflicted suffocation, end quote. When Heather calls Brooke to tell her that Denisha was gone, Brooke said she blacked out and fell to her knees and was crying immediately, and she was in complete denial that her sister was dead. Brooke said she even scared her baby with her reaction, but that she, quote, couldn't be a mom because her whole world just shattered. Oh, my gosh. That just breaks my heart. Doesn't it? And it's one of those things like, I don't know. I was thinking about this when I was reading it. When you have something like traumatic or awful going on in your life and like you are still a mom and you still have these kids to take and they don't get it. Right. And so just thinking of her holding this baby and the baby still needs all these things and like, how do you even function? It's it's impossible. 
so two other men in blue went to inform Denisha's father and stepmother of her passing. At this point, though, nobody had even informed Denisha's husband Josh yet, even though he actually lived on base. And so he found out when Denisha's stepmother called him and said, quote, they took our baby, end quote. It wasn't for a couple more hours that the men in blue finally showed up to tell Josh that Denisha was dead. After Denisha's death, her family released a statement that read, quote, Our beloved Nisha was everything to us. She was proud to serve as a military police officer in the United States Army and dedicated her short life to building a legacy with her husband and sons. We appreciate your thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. We will always remember how she would tell us she loved us with her big, beautiful smile, or how she would tell her dad she was going to make the Montgomery Smith name proud. Her body will be home soon so we can give her an honorable burial, end quote. On August 26th, Denisha's body was returned to her hometown of Elizabethtown, Kentucky. She was buried with military honors and was later posthumously promoted to specialist. The U.S. Army's Criminal Investigation Division and local German authorities did investigate Denisha's death, but this investigation left her family feeling very frustrated just due to a lack of communication. They were originally told that Denisha had completed suicide before an autopsy or any other tests had even been performed. So for months, the Army led the family and the media to believe Denisha's death had already been ruled a suicide. And that actually changed in October of 2022 when News Nation Now found a report from the Army showing that Denisha's manner of death was actually listed as pending. So when they were questioned about this, the Army said that it was the German authorities who initially determined suicide, but the Army still had their own investigation going on. However, a spokesperson for the Army said that there were no indications of foul play or criminal activity in Denisha's death investigation. Understandably, Denisha's family has completely rejected the suicide theory for countless reasons. There were zero signs that she was suicidal, for starters. She even talked to her husband hours before she was found dead about how excited she was to come home soon, and everything was fine the night before. Additionally, Brooke pointed out that there was no note or anything left behind by Denisha to explain why she would have suddenly taken her own life, and that was also a major red flag. Brooke knew that if the suicide theory were true, her sister would have left a letter or sent a text or something. She was really the type of person to plan ahead and to think of her loved ones first, and even to the point where she actually had previously written a three-page letter to Brooke and her husband for them to read on their wedding day. And this was just in case Denisha wasn't able to actually be there for the ceremony because of her deployment. So she wrote this letter just in case, just to make sure that her sister would have it in the event of her absence. So, oh, wow. yeah. So Brooke said, you know, if Denisha would do that and could write this just in case letter, then she definitely would have written a letter to her children or at least sent a text saying that she loved them. She would have left something behind for her family. Besides that, they question how a medical examiner could have ruled Denisha's death a suicide within the seven to eight hours it took between discovering her body to the time that her mom was informed of her death, which is when they told her that she had completed suicide, because it takes longer than seven to eight hours to make that kind of official determination. And we do have some more to get into after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I am a sweater, and by that I both mean I wear a lot of sweaters as well as I sweat a lot. And while I wear deodorant for my underarms, until now I didn't really have anything to use those other places, you know the ones, from your belly button to your underboobs, your lady parts, and even your feet. Lumi is a solution to those sweaty, smelly parts of you, and it's made with the most sensitive parts of the body and mind, so you can say goodbye to odor-causing bacteria everywhere. Lumi's sticks go on just like regular deodorant, and their cream in a tube is easy to apply. Not only is Lumi effective, it's pH-optimized and safe for all external use. Lumi was created by an OBGYN who realized way too many women were being overtreated with antibiotics for external day-to-day -day odors, and that's when the idea for Lumi was born. It was created not to mask odor, but to eliminate it. I actually started using Lumi about a year ago for the simple reason that I live in Florida, so I always feel like I'm dripping in sweat. I use the whole body deodorant in the tangerine scent wherever I need it, like before I put on a sports bra. And I absolutely love the cool cucumber deodorant wipes, which are great to have in your gym bag to use before or after a workout, so you feel good taking on the rest of your day. 
With over 150,000 five-star reviews, we're so confident you'll love Lumi. Get over 40% off your starter pack bundle with code MOMS at LumiDeodorant.com. That's code MOMS at LumiDeodorant.com to save big. Smell better naked with Lumi. Let's be real. Starting new goals is like trying to fit in those jeans from before having kids. It's a stretch. But with Noom, you'll be feeling better overall in no time. Noom knows that everyone's journey with food and exercise is like a fingerprint. It's unique. So forget about that magic number on the scale and let's focus on what really matters, which is feeling good. Eating better and exercising is like a match made in heaven. But let's face it, sometimes it's harder to get started than it is to finish a pint of ice cream. That's where Noom comes in, like a superhero in stretchy pants. With personalized daily lessons, Noom is like a tailor-made program, not a one-size-fits-all. Noom is all about progress and not perfection. To me, Noom is much more like a cheerleader, not a taskmaster. With access to coaching, Noom is like a personal trainer who won't make you do burpees in the rain. I love the flexibility I have with Noom, and reaching my goal of feeling better is achievable thanks to the positive nature of Noom. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash moms. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms to sign up for your trial today. And check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change, available to buy now wherever books are sold. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now, back to the episode. So before the break, we were speaking about Denisha's death and the information her family's receiving, which kind of feels all over the place. But they're being told at this point that Denisha has died by suicide, which is something the family wants investigated more because it's something they feel very strongly about. But Denisha's family has taken it upon themselves to gather all the evidence showing that Denisha was not suicidal. They believe she was attacked and had been scared for her life in the weeks before her death. Like we said before, she was literally counting down the days until she could go home to her husband and her kids. Her bags were packed. And as we mentioned before, she didn't want to go any further with like going through this whole thing because she was afraid it would keep her in Germany longer. And her goal was to get out. And she was almost out. Her family actually released the recorded video call from the day Denisha was attacked and beaten on a car ride home from the water park. The text she exchanged with her uncle talking about her reasons for choosing not to pursue action against her attackers were also released to the public. They've also hired someone to review Denisha's original autopsy, but the findings have not been made public as of this recording. Additionally, Denisha's family hired a lawyer, Lindsay Knapp, who is the executive director of Combat Sexual Assault, to investigate Denisha's death. Lindsay's called for the investigation to be taken over by the FBI and has said that the Army's response to Denisha's death made the case suspicious. She said, quote, 
the military statements to the family are not adding up. The first piece is they tell the family it was a suicide. Now, they're maybe trying to walk that back and say that they're investigating, but then, in the same breath, putting out press releases where they're stating that there was no foul play. So none of that makes any sense to anyone, end quote. Also, a casualty report listed Denisha's cause of death as pending after her family was told she died by suicide. The circumstances surrounding her death were also listed as pending. Lindsay said the circumstances around Denisha's death are troubling and the military's response has been horrific. Another woman, Amy Frank, who is the founder of Never Alone Advocacy, has been working with the family as well, and she agrees that the military's official statements are confusing, pointing out that if her leadership had believed she was suicidal, she shouldn't have been walking around with a gun. Something else that was strange was that in the report that was given to Denisha's family by the Army's Criminal Investigation Division, the story about what happened in the July 19th assault was actually different from the one that Denisha had told her family. On the video call she had with them that day, Denisha said that there were four attackers and that this attack happened inside of a van. In the CID report, it said that two soldiers who were not in Denisha's platoon had tried to sexually assault her in the bathroom at the water park. The report also said there were other soldiers at the water park who came to Denisha's defense and chased away her attackers, but that's not something Denisha had ever mentioned to her family either. This report also said that Denisha's attackers were unknown, but Denisha told her family that she could clearly identify one of them as being her roommate. Plus, she said the other people in the car were part of her squad as well. And there was even more that added to the suspiciousness. Soldiers in Germany were given orders not to talk about Denisha with anyone, including each other or on social media. There were three military police soldiers who broke this rule anyway, and they reached out to Brooke to tell her that they didn't believe Denisha took her own life either. These soldiers told Brooke things were really toxic and just really messed up on base, and they had actually also been silenced about their own assaults. And to make things even more strange, about two days after Denisha's death, her first sergeant at Fort Stewart actually reached out to Brooke through a friend. So Brooke believes that this person was just trying to kind of snoop and find out what Brooke knew, but she really didn't give up any information. When this person asked if Brooke had any questions of her own, Brooke just said, what can you tell me about my sister's death? And he then started telling Brooke about the driver of the car during that assault. And Brooke just continued this conversation and asked if she could speak with the driver herself. So later, the guy called back with the driver on the phone in a three-way call. And Brooke was able to ask some questions. And she said that sometimes these men would answer her questions. And other times... They were just kind of like toying with her. They would put her on mute and they were clearly having a side conversation. And then they would come back on the line and start saying things like that, you know, Denisha was suicidal and she had mental health struggles. And these men just kept contradicting each other and themselves and just didn't really seem to have a straight story. Later on that same day, the driver of the car actually called Brooke back by himself and told her that Denisha had tried to jump from the car during the attack because she was suicidal, which that doesn't even really make any sense. No. No. But Brooke wanted to know, you know, if that was true, why didn't this person who was a superior to Denisha, why didn't he do anything and get her some help? She also asked why they even started fighting in the car to begin with. And the guy said something that something to the effect that they were fighting over him, but Brooke isn't really sure what he even meant by that. There were actually three men and two women in the car, so she was kind of unclear about who was fighting over him and how that would have had anything to do with four people attacking one person. So Denisha's family now don't have any contact. They have no contact orders against everybody that was involved in this assault inside of this vehicle. Man. So the family's released all this information. Like we said, the recorded call about the assault, the text to her uncle, the phone call with James the night before Denisha was found dead. The family was hoping that this information would put pressure on the army to really investigate Denisha's death instead of just ruling it as a suicide. But unfortunately, that doesn't appear to have happened. In November of 2022, so at the time of recording, this is just like two months ago, the army released an official cause of death. Their own medical examiner concluded that Denisha's cause of death was suicide by asphyxiation. This official cause of death meant nothing to Denisha's family, who remained firm in their belief that Denisha did not take her own life. They believe there is zero evidence pointing in the direction of suicide. For that reason, Denisha's story is still unfortunately unresolved. 
In early December 2022, Iowa State Senator Chuck Grassley called on Congress to perform, quote, an objective and independent review of Denise's death. He asked the Army to provide the full CID report and wants him to answer a few questions. The first being, did the CID investigate Denisha's claims that she was told she would be charged with assault if she reported her own assault? And if not, then why? Has the CID identified and interviewed all occupants of the vehicle on July 19th? Why or why not? And if so, the senator wants him to provide records of these interviews. The next question would be, did Denisha report sexual assault and rape to anyone on her command staff before July 19th, and what is the current status of that investigation? If you remember back earlier in the episode, she had told her family that she had tried to report a sexual assault to the superiors, right? So he's saying, what's going on with that? Because she's she had done that before as well. And lastly, does the military base Denisha was found at require military credentials to enter and exit the base? Have they reviewed the logs to identify who was on base at the time of Denisha's death? If not, why not? As of this recording, though, the Army hasn't responded to any of the senator's inquiries. Denisha's family struggles to find closure in her death with so many questions unanswered. Brooke, who is still in the military, has a hard time just putting on her uniform and being a soldier now because all she can think about is her sister. Denisha's family, unfortunately, has grown even further apart in their grief and the anger that comes with it. Everything's still so fresh, it's like an open wound, that Denisha's loved ones really can't escape. The fact that this case is still under investigation is really like pouring salt on the wound. And so, when they think they know all the facts in this case, something new comes to light and they are basically forced to relive this trauma. Brooke and her mom, Heather, both got tattoos to remember Denisha. Brooke had gotten her first tattoo with Denisha and her younger sister, Jada, but this was the first tattoo Heather ever got. Today, Denisha's kids are eight, four, and two. And while the absence of their mom is hard for all of them, it's her eight-year-old son who struggles the most. He understands the weight of losing his mom more than the younger ones, and he says heartbreaking things to his cousin, who is Brooke's son, such as, quote, you're lucky you have a mommy, end oh, quote. my goodness. And if there's anything that's going to hit Mandy and I like a ton of bricks, it's that, hearing a little kid so heartbroken. It's so awful because even though, you know, children do, especially a child who's eight years old, of course he understands the gravity of not having his mom anymore, but... they're they're still babies. You know, an eight-year-old's still a baby. They don't fully understand what happened or why. You know, why did that happen? And just just to hear them say something like that, you're lucky you have a mommy. It's like, oh my gosh. Like you said, just hits you like a ton of bricks. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And I just really, really hope that this family finds answers very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. So again, they're hoping that there's more investigation going on the family really does not believe that this was a case of suicide. She literally had her bags packed, ready to go home. She had just talked to her husband. There was a lot of positive things going on. Like she was almost out of there. So I can understand being the family and hearing all these things and saying, well, that doesn't that doesn't add up. And the family definitely deserves for there to be more investigation, like an outside investigation, not just the army going, you know, and looking through this. And my gosh, just releasing all the information to them. It's it, it this story blows my mind. Yeah, me too. So there's actually a couple of ways if you want to get involved and help with this case. Of course, you can share Denisha's story. You can share our podcast episode. You can share Military Murders um, podcast episode. There is also a GoFundMe set up for um, helping out with this case. And you can also follow Denisha's sister, Brooke, on TikTok. Um, We're going to link both the GoFundMe and we'll put a link to Brooke's TikTok as well. And you can kind of follow the story, keep up, you know, with the updates and everything. And of course, um, if you feel led, then you can also donate to the GoFundMe and help that way as well. Um, Yeah, we really hope that you will check out those resources for this family. As we said, this is a very new and fresh case and there probably will still be a lot to come in this one. Yeah. So we are going to move on to last thing before we go. And I've seen this all over the internet this week. Apparently, Amazon is ending their um, donation program, Amazon Smile, where if you bought through that link, you would actually be able to donate to your favorite charity, a charity of choice. And so they're ending that like in a couple weeks. And it breaks my heart because there's so many of these charities that aren't like the huge ones that people just don't know about. And that was such an easy way 
to donate. And so some of these groups are depending on that money. So we wanted to bring up a few that we know of and um, that if you wanted to help out and you weren't sure how to in this whole information about Amazon Smile, it's kind of a bummer. We have a few we'd like to share with you. Mandy, do you want to kick it off? Yes, of course. So um, one of the ones that I found, uh, well, that I have been looking at is called the DNA Doe Project. If you listen to the Fall Line podcast or follow them, then you probably have heard about this. Um, They did a two-part interview with some of the volunteers behind this incredible nonprofit. If you want to check out those episodes to learn more of the Fall Line, they were released on November 30th and December 1st of 2022. So you can check that out to learn more. But um, the DNA Doe Project is a nonprofit initiative that uses investigative genetic genealogy to identify John and Jane Doe unidentified remains. So that came directly from their uh, website. But they've been operating for five years and they've quickly become this go-to organization for law enforcement and medical examiners nationwide. Um, You can go to their website. As I said, they have a website at dnadoeproject.org and they've got lots of information about exactly what they do, how they do it, how you can submit a case. And there are links there to donate as well. You can look through their active cases and even choose one, or you can just donate to their um, general fund. But I just love the idea behind this um, nonprofit to actually have an organized place, you know, to actually be able to work towards identifying these unidentified victims, which is so important. You know, these people do have families and they have loved ones that want answers. And this is such important work. Really, really encourage you guys to check that one out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So in the same vein as the fall line, something else that they've worked with, and this is kind of newer, and it was uh, launched just a couple years ago. It's called Season of Justice. And they have awarded now like over $910,000 in grants, helping out 120 cases. And so they're all about providing funding to investigative agencies and families to help solve cold cases. And we know how important these cold cases are. And sometimes there just isn't the resources for departments and uh, police stations to be able to look more in depth in these, especially as time goes on. So something like this is absolutely necessary. And it's going directly to, you know, what it needs to go to. I know the fall line, I believe they did a um, paid for billboards for the fall line for the Millbrook twins, um, finding answers for them. So that is another really good one. They we will have all this stuff in our show notes, but like, very smart. They have like, a donation text line. So it's so easy to donate. Um, And so that's one you definitely want to check out. For sure. Uh, So another one, of course, that Melissa and I are very, um, it's very dear to us is the Brightigan Foundation. Uh, We've been talking about this one for a while now. And we have been um, fortunate to work directly with Kirsten Brightigan to get Bexley boxes into police stations across the country. So just to kind of recap what is is going on with that one. um, In September of 2022, we told the story of Jared Brightigan, who was a young father and husband who was ambushed and shot outside of his vehicle, while his two year old daughter Bexley was strapped into her car seat. His wife, Kirsten, has spent the last 11 months fighting tooth and nail for justice. And in the midst of all that, she has launched this incredible nonprofit called the Brightigan Foundation. And through that foundation, she's able to work on her passion project, which is the Bexley Box. And that is a refillable box full of resources for kids who find themselves at police stations after being victimized in a crime. So the boxes contain both necessities like diapers and sippy cups and wipes, and they also contain comfort items like blankets and stuffed animals and small toys, which these are all things that um, Kirsten saw a a real need for after Bexley, you know, was put in this terrible situation of being separated from her parent, you know, from her mom during this initial investigation. And she just, her heart broke, she said, because they only had like a couple small items for a child at the police station. And she does not want other children to have to ever experience something like that. So we, of course, cannot say enough amazing things about Kirsten and about the Bexley boxes that she has dedicated so much of herself to launching. And we would love for you to check out um, that one and consider making a donation. You can find more information at brightagainfoundation.org or our website uh, momsandmysteries.com we have some links in there as well for how you can um, directly donate to that cause as well yeah absolutely and mandy and i are going to be delivering a bexley box in just a couple weeks to a local station here so we're very excited and so happy to be able to be a part of that My last one is Private Investigations for the Missing, and this was started by Bruce Maitland, who is the father of 
Brianna Maitland, and she went missing back in 2004. And so he has created this similarly to Kirsten out of his grief. And he wants to help families who have missing persons be able to uh, get private investigators, those sorts of things that like the police don't have resources to do, or maybe you need more or whatever, then families can come to them and they will help them out. Our friends Tim and Lance from uh, Crawl Space are on the board with them. So we've learned more about them. I'm talking to Bruce next week about some stuff. And it's just an incredible thing. And and to see people um, create these things out of such horrific things that have happened to them, it just can change your life, really, just being involved with it. It can be one of the best things you ever do for yourself, to be quite honest. Um, and I want to give an honorable mention, Mandy. I didn't mention this one to you, but it's a GoFundMe, but it's one you and I really care about. It's a geologist, Daniel Robinson, who was missing June 23rd, 2021. His dad is working every day. I follow him on Twitter and Instagram always looking for his son, Daniel. So we'll have the GoFundMe. That's the only real link I could find for that. And his website, we'll have it all in the show notes, but it's to pay for a private investigator, getting missing flyers, all those sorts of things. And it's a GoFundMe. It's totally legit, but I wanted to add that on there. For sure. Yeah. So those are some great ones that you guys can check out. Of course, there are tons of amazing nonprofits out there and they are all, you know, very reliant on donations. So um, yeah, Seek them out if you or if you see one, you know, check it out and see if whatever they're doing kind of speaks to you. And uh, yeah, consider just donating. Every little bit counts. We've kind of seen that with the work that we've been doing closely with Kirsten, with Brightigan Foundation. We've kind of seen how quickly a little bit here and there adds up and what a difference yeah. actually does make. Um, so, you know, don't think that you have to make like a huge donation to a small no. nonprofit. You can whatever you can do really is helpful. Absolutely. That is great, Mandy. And oh, if you have some that we should check out that we don't know about, let us know. um, Because we're always looking for ways to help. And before we go, we are going to be playing a promo for the podcast Coffee and Cases. It's with Allison and Maggie. They're so great. So sweet. Um, Listen to their promo and definitely check them out. All right, guys, that was the story for this week. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye. Greetings from the bluegrass state. That's Kentucky, if y'all didn't know. We want to tell you about the hottest new podcast on the block, Coffee and Cases. If you fancy yourself an at-home detective. If you find yourself yelling at the TV during that new true crime documentary. Then you, my friend, are a certified sleuth hound. Just like us. On Coffee and Cases podcast, you'll hear about the missing, the murdered, and the unsolved. But the cases you've rarely, if ever, heard about. All from the perspective of two teacher friends, rule followers, and self-proclaimed scaredy cats. Join me, Allison. And me, Maggie. Each week as we take on cases that are often overlooked but are screaming for justice. Finally, a true crime podcast where you don't have to monitor the foul language. Coffee and Cases is a true crime guilty pleasure that you don't actually have to feel guilty about. Check out Coffee and Cases every Thursday for a new episode on your favorite podcasting app.